get in, fasten your seatbelt and we'll take you with us on our journey to pro cyclists. We pick them up in our broom wagon and travel through their careers. You're listening to Andreas Stauf, Paul Voss and Bastian Marx and after over 140 episodes of our German podcast Besenwagen, we're going international. My two colleagues are ex-pros, now also gravel pro, riders agent, performance manager and coach while I'm messing around in the cycling scene without ever having seen a single dollar for riding my bike. In Besenwang Worldwide we interview women's and men's pro riders and ask them what comes to our minds. By far not always serious. You're listening to three German guys, so please be kind while judging our English. Have fun and Abfahrt! Again, you find yourself at the end of the race. You've just been dropped by the Gruppetto and the inevitable is coming closer. You don't really know why your legs are just not doing it today. But don't worry, you're not alone. Our yellow bus is behind you and we're only there to pick you up and give you a lift. And damn, there's good company with us. Again, we open our magical door and what's there today? A Danish rainbow. My name is Bastian Marx. My name is Andy Stauf. And we welcome Mats Pedersen. Hi. Hi, everyone. Yo, Mats, where, where do we find you today? So right now I'm in the Kalpe on a training camp. Mm -hmm. uh, the worst place on earth to ride your bike. Yeah. But uh, apparently uh, cycling teams like this area so uh, i'm stuck here for a few more days before before christmas <laughs> what what's the best place to ride your bike then <laughs> next to denmark it's mallorca <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah we uh we get you in a really festive week so happy late birthday <laughs> thank you. you had your birthday yesterday and we are just like five or six days before christmas uh You, uh, yeah, you could be happy, but you had to ride your bike uh, alone for six hours today. You just told us, <laughs> so you're fucked. Yeah, it was pre pretty long day, and also, you know, normally the sun is shining here, but uh, today I had uh, like three hours of uh, of rain as well. So, what a what a way to spend a nice and lovely Sunday. But you like that? Yeah, for racing, for training, it would be nice with some dry conditions. Yeah, so you're not really enjoying it to, to ride in the rain. No, I never enjoy the rain. I just don't give a shit if it's there. Okay, yeah, that's that's what I what I know. <laughs> yeah, that was one of the topics before. Andy just told me you normally you train the whole winter in Denmark. Do you? I I try to to stay as long time as possible at home. Uh, the weather is not so bad. Uh, It's not that often we get snow, so mm -hmm. I, I survived that. Of course, we had a lot of rain, uh, but luckily, rain clothing is uh, it's here to to save my ass. So, uh, so that's quite okay. And and with with training camps in in December and January, it doesn't make a lot of sense to to go somewhere because November and start of December is quite easy. Still, you can mix it up with some running, mountain biking, some fun fun activities on, on the bike and then you go on December training camp you go for home for Christmas anyway then you're home for one week in the new year training camp again in, in the south and then season starts so I, I really don't need a lot of uh, time in the in the south yeah yeah 
I remember in 2019, just before the Worlds, I've I've been in Yorkshire already a few days before your race, before you arrived there, and I've just sent you a picture of the weather forecast and just a, a short snap from outside, and it was just rainy, and you were just like sending me back hearts over WhatsApp, <laughs> you know. <laughs> You were pretty excited and yeah, everyone knows how that uh, that day went. Um, I can still remember like all the riders' faces after the race. I've never saw something like that. I think it was the worst possible weather conditions oh, man. I could have that day. It was so tough, like so wet, so cold. Everything was just bad, you know. It was... Uh, I understand why like everyone else than me didn't have a good, have a great time in that race. <laughs> <laughs> But what's your secret? Why is it that you just, is it like, I don't know if you have something, some special talent against the cold or is it just, do you think it's just in the head or do you also can adopt, adapt the weather? Now you're going to laugh a lot because actually I put Vaseline on from here and down Okay. <laughs> nice. Because Vaseline is giving like a kind of <laughs> thick layer on the skin and it's difficult for the heat to get from the inside and through the the Vaseline. Mm -hmm. And it's also the water, you know, sliding easy easier off. So it's it's like it's another base layer without wearing more clothing that can get get wet. So okay. it's 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 kind of extra layer of fat, but you don't you don't wear the fat, so It's a win-win. <laughs> How often do you do that? And this you won't know. Oh. <laughs> more, more than you think, who? eh? <laughs> more important question. Who told you that? <laughs> um, Michael Reis, he's called. He was a teammate of mine in, uh, in Kult and actually Stulting mm -hmm. as well. Um, yeah. He gave me the advice with the Vaseline and the, nice. I've been using it since. Yeah, I, so that's the secret of the Danes, uh, being good in bad weather, right? Exactly. Just buy a big <laughs> box of Vaseline and then you survive every every weather condition. <laughs> you were also super happy that it was raining in Roubaix. So, I I have one question: if you could, if you would, uh, if you have to do it, how would the Mats Pedersen extreme weather protocol look like? Just deleted. <laughs> no, yeah, no that's not true above above 40 degrees we have to cancel all the races <laughs> just, just at 40 if it's above 40 close it let us go home uh, for me it could be already above 25 yeah <laughs> that's this too hard for me I agree. Agree. Like 25 <laughs> already racing with the eye socks on the back and everything. Shortest, shorter yeah. stages from 25 on and from 30, yeah. from 30. Bye bye. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking a lot about Denmark before and I was thinking, what do I know? Mm, mostly I, I did, I did a ride with a friend from Oslo to Hamburg and we crossed Denmark then. And, um, I did a brevet with Rafa once, like for the the Copenhagen Hamburg ride were 330 kilometers and that brevet were 220 kilometers. And all in all, I think I had about 22 flats or something. 
it's I was, pretty shit. I was riding Veloflex tires, which was totally dumb. <laughs> and <laughs> I wouldn't do it again. But uh, the first thing I thought about with Denmark was, do you know the Olsenbanden? Yeah, of course. Of course. You know, everyone, everyone is growing up with Olsenbanden. Like, you yeah. have to watch it. It has to be a conspiracy that they don't have like 20 Oscars or something. It's crazy. <laughs> it's, like, it's a family tradition in my family to watch Olsenbanden together. And it's like there's one German TV station, the MDR, where it's like every week or some one episode. <laughs> nice. Mm. Nice. Yeah, I but that's... don't know it. You don't know it, fuck. You have to watch it. Yeah, it's a, it's like a criminal, <laughs> a gangster comedy from the 60s or something, or 70s. Yeah. And it's like three grandpas robbing banks. <laughs> and, and the leader is always going to jail, always. He's coming out of jail at the beginning, and he's going to jail at the end. So <laughs> that's the plot. And he's doing like, uh, he always brings plants out of the jail, and... These are plans to get like 20 million something, <laughs> which currency ever. But he always needs just like a shovel, a stick, and a tape. A tape, yeah. <laughs> something like <laughs> something stupid. Five super easy ingredients to get 20 million out of some bank or the like uh, i don't know it's crazy everyone watch Olsenbanden. this is denmark for me <laughs> yeah that's true you have to you have to do that when you're danish if you don't then uh, you're not real danish then it's better to change your passport <laughs> <laughs> okay next question mm, what do you think about when you think about the broom wagon our podcast is called besenwagen it's the broom wagon so do you have any broom wagon experience good story Never. I was never in the broom wagon, so I have no stories from it. I have been riding in front of it quite for quite some time, <laughs> but I don't have any stories from the wagon. So, yeah, that's going to be pretty short. Yeah, so uh, this I, is your first time. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. But this is a nice one. Yeah, this one is okay. Maybe I would spend more time in the broom wagon if they had like a decent car, you know, instead of like a Fiat Ducato or some shit van. <laughs> and also, I, I only heard stories from the broom wagon that you're sitting in there freezing your ass off because the people who goes in the broom wagon, <clears throat> it's only when the, the weather is shit and the race is really hard. So they end up sitting there freezing their ass off in minus 15 degrees in this super shitty car you always you also for sure when when this car is passing you also see all the windows they're foggy and you can't see shit because <laughs> you have 15 riders in there and it's super nasty and it smells like that <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah let's start to go like to thrive a little bit through your career mm, and i already told you i started with um With the Conti teams you were riding in and you already told like you were in cult, cult energy. And afterwards you rode in Stelting and these were the years 2014, 15, 16. And um, yeah, I looked up what you won and all, uh, also who you rode with. And there were a lot of Germans. 
Uh, in Cal 2014, the only one I uh, wrote up here is uh, Magnus Kort. This was totally Danish team, was it? Yeah. Magnus Kort and Matsbuts Schmidt. And do you yeah. have what are the memories of that year? Uh, actually, only good good memories. Like, of course, it was it was a tough year going from junior and being one of the best, <laughs> and then suddenly you're sitting there, and you know, every time you take a step up, you also uh, take a step down on the stairs compared to how 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 high you are on the teams. So. Uh, it was starting from the bottom again and then try to to work myself up. And uh, I still remember when I had to sign the, the contract with the team, I went there with uh, Michael. Michael Skelte was the owner of the team together with his wife. And I was sitting with him and I was still 17. So in Denmark, when you have to do contracts and so on, you need to bring a parent when you're under 18. Um, that I came to the meeting with my dad and Skelte, he was like, so... Normally, I don't like people from from your part of Denmark because I'm from like Sealand and he's from Jutland. So he told me normally I don't like people from from your part of Denmark, and then also I don't like to have juniors on my team. So now you have to tell me why I should give you a contract. And then uh, one hour later, he gave me a contract, um, and I've been really good friends with uh, Skelte since, and still are. So. It was a really good day. Of course, it was a little bit weird and tough to be there as 17 years old and have to to talk about your own contract and, and talk with, in that time, the, the biggest guy next to Bjarne Ries in cycling. Um, because Skelde, he was the guy. He had the team you have to go on if you wanted to be on top level at that time. So it was pretty big for me to, to sit there and talk with him. So it was... Uh, Another lesson learned. What did you tell him? I tell him I will be the best rider you ever had on the team. And uh, I don't care where I'm from. I will still be better than the rest. So you have to hire me. <laughs> <laughs> and it took him still one hour? <laughs> it still took him one hour. Then he started with all his stupid questions, you know? Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, in this year you won uh, Frankfurt, and second was Niels Polet. <laughs> Actually, friend. I still, I still remember that uh, race. I also think we had the um, Norwegian guy, Bustrom. He's with the, he's no, he's the Norwegian guy who's going with Christoph everywhere. He was in that group. I think he was third actually. And we came to a sprint after a, like not a long breakaway. We went on the long mm. climb in the middle of the race somewhere. And uh, yeah, it was nice for me to win on the 23 race, uh, especially as a first year. It also kind of, you know, showed the team and Skelte what I told him like a few months earlier. So it was a, it was a sweet, sweet victory. And then actually Ken, he was there the first time. My first win in, in that year, Ken was there. Then he showed up in other races for many years and I didn't win shit when he was around. <laughs> and he had to wait until Wells in 19. Nice. Uh, okay, next year. And this was the year where the Germans came. It was Linus Gerdemann, Fabian Wegmann, 
Um, and not German, but Alex Kirsch, he was on our German podcast already. Uh, okay, any memories? Uh, actually, it was a bit of a shit show in the beginning because the team signed with the Luxembourg sponsor. Uh, Christian Weiland, I think the name was something like this. Yeah, it's right. Yeah, and then we got flaked so hard. He had no money, nothing. So, yeah, in the end, we we only had Kuld as a sponsor still. So, it was it was a tough beginning of of the of the year. We didn't really know if the team would go on or not. And in the end, uh, the Skilde family they decided to to keep pushing and keep going. So it was a tough time for the team behind, but as a rider, it was actually really nice. And it was a nice experience to race, especially for me with the Linus. Um, Linus is such a nice guy. Uh, he's a messy guy. Like if you're rooming with him, his <laughs> shit is fucking everywhere. <laughs> Unbelievable, man. I saw him once putting numbers on the jersey and then he had my number on the left and his own on the right. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, you can see my suitcase. It's really, it's in order. Everything is in in bags and so on. So if he had to go to my suitcase and pick up my number <laughs> to put it on, it's it was not laying on the floor or anything. So, <laughs> but Lino, Lino, he, he's a nice guy, and, and once in a while I'm still in contact with him. So that was definitely one of the the nice parts about about that year. Um, And also just to to race on higher level, so to have the good mix of of smaller races and bigger races. Uh, so really, really enjoyable year with the uh, with Kult, even that it was pretty hard with the uh, with the money to to do mm -hmm. races and so on. Yeah, and you kept winning like one stage of Avenir and the stage of the ZLM Romport Tour. You, yeah kept doing what you told <laughs> yeah i kept my promise to to skelde so that was pretty nice um actually it was a little bit like he wanted me to win in the in the cool jersey and not in the national kit but uh, mm. a win is a win yeah. so <laughs> was was okay 16 mm. uh, lino's still there gerald comes leonard kemner comes as your teammate Thomas Köp, great guy. Fabian Wegmann still. And there was fucking Alex Weifenbach. <laughs> like, he's he's still riding here uh, in Cologne in a team of friends of ours. And uh, I saw him yesterday at uh, Cross State Nationals. And, like, one of my uh, hobby victories is winning a village sign sprint against him. <laughs> still, still any memories on Weifenbach? No, no because we didn't do a lot of we didn't do any races together i, I thought think. about that yeah um yeah kemner did, did you race with uh, willy Wilwohl? he was also a trainee in that team no i don't think so <clears throat> because he's now he's like famous on tiktok and has millions of <laughs> followers did you know that holy fuck how i don't know he's just like has tattoos everywhere And just has some TikTok videos and then they went oh, viral yeah. and then he's super, super famous on TikTok. Like the only guy who's <laughs> super nice and famous for me is Thomas Kripp. He's yeah. a fucking legend, that guy. Tip is great. Unbelievable. Yeah, he, he, is. He, 
he could eat so much cake without giving a fuck. <laughs> and he was so unbelievable strong. It was yeah. crazy, man. We had these, uh, the ro- rose bikes. What do you call them in German? Rose as well? Or? Rose. 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 And man, he was just destroying those bikes completely. <laughs> it was unbelievable. Yeah, he's uh, he's a legend. But still, we see him once in a while. He's working for DT Swiss now yeah, or something exactly. like this. So, and he's still racing. It's really too. nice. Yeah, yeah, I see. It's he's a he's a really good guy. This guy I actually miss. <laughs> uh, but Stilting was a fuck. It was a crazy year. Jochen Hahn. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And also, I don't know if he's even listening to this. And I also don't care. But he's pretty crazy. <laughs> Yeah, what happened? <laughs> Give us a glimpse. Yeah. Yeah, so all the time on smaller teams like this, you know, you don't have a shit ton of equipment. You have absolutely minimum. And then I was always racing like the small, the the narrow Shimano pedals. And then suddenly I in a race I needed um I needed my spare bike. I came on the bike and then I felt something is wrong, like Something is really wrong here. Um, and then I changed back to my first bike, which was broken. And then afterwards, he came to me to give me shit for, you know, going back on a on a bike that was not working 100%. And then this fucking guy, he took, because I already rode my spare bike before and I knew everything was perfect. So <laughs> he needed a pair of Shimano pedals for himself. But we didn't have more of the normal ones. So this fucking idiot, sorry to say it like this, he took the pedals off my bike and then he just swapped them. Like I would never, uh, I would never know. And there I looked into his eyes and say, never again. If you're going to do this with my bike, fucking hell, we will have big, big problems, my friend. So if you want to take <laughs> pedals from someone, it's better be another guy than me. Fuck. What, what did he put there? Like time pedals you're or just, look pedals? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it was still the Shimano pedals, but the white one, and they're like four millimeters ah, wider fuck, than yeah. the other ones. And that's just the, you know, the recipe to knee problems. Like high IQ factor. Exactly. And also he didn't trust power meters. <laughs> he was the coach of Leonard, I remember. And he was always calculating the power of uh, of a ride after. I was like, I... <laughs> And always he, you know, he ended up in exactly the same average power as the power meter was saying. But yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was a crazy year, man. Also with the owner of Stilting, he also, yeah, like he had so much money, man. Like his private garage was our, our service calls. You could park a fucking bus and two trucks in there. And we had the shittiest, shittiest boss ever. At least we had a boss, but the toilet was always broken, always. And <laughs> and we had like two showers. So in, in one side we had a shower, and the other side we had the toilet and the shower in the same room. So you could actually sit and have a shit while you were showering. <laughs> did you did you Same try time. did you try that? <laughs> shit shit and shower. Yeah. Eh? <laughs> That's oh man, it was that's gonna be the year, title you know, of the podcast. <laughs> shit and shower. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, in the end, it was a good year. We have a lot of good stories from that year, and, and if I look at it now, it was also pretty crazy. 
But in the end, it made me professional, and yeah. I learned really a lot yeah. uh, that year as well. I learned that every everything is not super easy and on a pink cloud. You know, you also have to work for it, and it's not always that the people around you want the same as as you. So sometimes you have to work even harder to to go through, and yeah, yeah. and this I really learned in in Stolting. You have to keep cool and have to stay focused while other people exactly. are doing shit around you. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you still took away a win in the under 23 Gent and uh, took a stage of Tour of Norway and the mountain classification. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. Don't ask me how <laughs> or why. Climber times. Uh, I think I went in the break in a, on the green stage. And there were so many points on that day that If you won all of them that day, and then let's say one more in the race, then you would be sure to have the jersey. And apparently, on the on the on the big big sprint for uh, you know the the mountain prize with the most points, it was like on the top, and then we had like I think it was a couple of kilometers flat, slightly downhill, and then the sprint was there. I was like, it's perfect for me, <laughs> and they wouldn't drop me because they knew I would be good on the false flat on the top. Mm. And then I, I won the sprints and then, yeah, I think I can't remember who was second on the stage, but he was really confident that he would drop me on the last climb and he did, but I kept my own tempo. And then I saw with like 250 meters to go, I was just sprinting and then I passed him. Okay. And after that year you turned, yeah, first class professional with Trek where you still are uh any memories how that came how that felt uh <laughs> to be honest i was close to make the deal all, already the year before uh because we had some problems with uh with cool and stilting they were supposed to to go together and be one team and then cult pulled out of the sponsorship quite late in the off season um And back then, Luca, he promised me if Stulting would close, he would give me a contract with Trick straight away. But yeah, Stulting decided to keep going and Luca said I had to wait another year. But actually quite early in the season, I already signed the contract. So it was it was almost a done deal already after Tipane. Um, and I think in, in beginning of May 16, <laughs> uh, the deal was done. Uh, and then yeah from there on it was just focus of being being in the classic squad in uh, in Trek it was pretty big guys there with Deacon Kolb and Jasper Edward so yeah I was just excited to to go on the big scene to race yeah I'm I'm thinking about how to go on we have now five years with with Trek and uh, I Noted a lot of wins and second and third places in big races. Maybe maybe I'll just give an overview over that and we we pick out some races then. Andy, you can pick out some races and ask. <laughs> uh, 2017, uh, you started your first year in top as top professional with the stage win at the Denmark Rund. Post Nordrund Denmark, and you won every jersey there <laughs> at the Tour of du 
Dupontou. I'm not good at French, not at all. <laughs> Chanterelle, um, you won the ITT and the general classification and you became national champion. In 2018, you won the Tour de l'Euro Metropole. You got second at Ronde van Flanderen and had a stage win at the Herald Sun Tour. In 2019, third at a stage in Poland. Uh, you won the Grand Prix Disberges and yeah, you became world champion. 2020, finally a stage win in Poland, uh, second on the first and on the last stage of the Tour de France. <laughs> um, a Bing Bang stage and second at Gent Wevechem. 2021. Huh? I was never second in Ghent. Ah. Wrong. I wrote it. Up. I won it. Yeah, you won it. I uh, I, I missed <laughs> I missed the comma here. <laughs> you won a stage at Pink Bank and became second in one stage and you won Gent Weberham. Perfect. 2021, you won Kürne, uh, got second in search at the stage at Paris, second at Coxide Classic, stage at Post Nord Denmark Rund, plus second in the GC. A stage plus second in Norway, second in Benelux stage and third at Leuro Metropole. This race you seem to like. Actually, I did it a few times and it, it was a new course every time. Okay, so okay. I, I don't know what's happening there, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> it, w it used to be a three-day race. Leuro Metropole. Yeah. And that's When back in the it. days then. Yeah. <laughs> It was always like the last stage race in Belgium. Oh, that's the worst shit. It's always the worst. When is the last is the worst. <laughs> yeah, but I also liked it somehow. It was just a little bit too late to be super motivated for it. You know? Exactly. So you race it as a stage race? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I always had to do it. <laughs> I couldn't choose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What what would you say was the hardest race in in the last five years or in your pro career in total? Uh, Flanders in eighteen. So when you when you were second, yeah. How many how many k's you were in front there? Like sixty or eighty? Eighty something, eighty five. <laughs> was a good idea, right? To go solo for eighty k's. I, I wasn't solo, you know. I jumped I jumped from the peloton to the breakaway. And then they died one by one. And then I jumped, you know, when Tapster, he passed us. Yeah, we know the game from there on. It was just pure surviving. And do you actually like look at your da power data and stuff like that? Or is it just you, you're doing what your coach says? Uh, I was, or do you have an overview, like what was really the hardest race, like from TSS score or something like that? Yeah, from, you know that? TSS score, I, I'm pretty sure it's uh, Worlds in 19. Okay. Uh, the problem was we had so much water, so the power meter died. Mm -hmm. um, but like the calculation they did after, I had above, like just above 500 TSS. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so pre pretty, pretty rough day if you look on, on the numbers, but the feeling was definitely harder in, uh, in Flanders 18 because I think I pushed it way more over the limit in 18 that mm -hmm. I did in, uh, in Worlds 19. 
Yeah. Mm. Crazy, crazy numbers. I just remember I had like 310, uh, 306 average power for the whole race in Flanders 19 and uh, 18. I was like, I, I, I did never think about me doing those numbers, you know? And now yeah. it's just, mm. it's normal to do those crazy races. Mm. Yeah, Flanders was also always on the, I think, in the top five. All the three tour Flanders I did was like there and from TSS. And I think the second hardest race was actually Rundum Köln. Have you ever done it? No, never. Uh, I don't know why it was so, so hard that year, but somehow it also ended up there being in the top five. Yeah, but that's because it's home roads and you want to do good. And then, you know, Probably. It, then people are getting, you, normally it's, it's quite normal that then you're getting too excited and then you spend a little bit too much energy and try to attack a bit too much. And then in the end, you just fuck yourself more than you actually have to. <laughs> so that is also going to happen next year in June, right? Or is it first, first, no, I think it's already yeah, in July June. when the Tour de France yeah. starts in uh, Denmark, right? Yeah. I'm not going to fuck myself, but I'm, I'm going way over the limit. That's for sure. <laughs> Do you know the stages already? Uh, like yeah. Where going? Yeah, yeah. Like the first oh. one is like in CT and it's downtown Copenhagen. Okay. So that's a mix of cobblestones and shit roads. Second one is like, We start in the city I lived in before. We are passing 100 meters from my house now and doing all these small shit roads to the bridge. And then we, yeah, take the bridge. If the wind is nice, whew, someone can lose the tour that day. <laughs> the the bridge to Malmö? No. No, no, oh. to, uh, to Fyn. Okay. Yeah, okay. it's like yeah. 18 Ks long. And if you have wind from the north or the south, then we have full crosswind. Now there's pretty few winds in Denmark. <laughs> yeah, it's windy sometimes, once in a while. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And I think actually all the Danish riders are. And I remember doing two of Denmark. It was always like super aggressive racing wow, that's, like attacking all the time and it's gonna be a I'm crazy really day forward to those stages in denmark uh, all races are like this in denmark and yeah. all the danish guys they, they never stop and they just keep going so it, it's yeah now it's it's not a day it's on danish roads but it's not a danish race danish race but it's in the beginning of the tour and it's always stressful and, mm -hmm. and hard so it would be pretty Pretty, pretty nice to watch also because we race a lot of small roads. Yeah. yeah, sure. There are so many super strong Danish guys and they all want to win that day. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, just shortly jumping back to the world, I was asking myself, was there any moment where you thought, okay, I can win this today? And when... Uh, the moment Tantin he opened his sprint. Okay, not before. <laughs> I I thought, okay, I, I'm going to win this. Before that, I was 100% sure I had to fight for the silver medal. Mm -hmm. Or actually not fighting, because with all respect for, for Kung, but I knew I would beat him in the sprint. Mm -hmm. He's a super strong guy and, and so on. Mm -hmm. So I have, a, I have a lot of respect for him and, and the way he's racing. But I knew I would beat him on the finish line. 
Uh, but I was also pretty sure that Trentini would beat me. So I didn't I didn't really believe in it before before he opened the sprint and and I was like, okay, if this is what you got, I'm I'm gonna beat you, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> nice. How how did you experience the moment when Mathieu Fanapol exploded? pretty hard because then the Italians they lost their shit completely and then they put Moscon to pull like a motherfucker okay <laughs> and I was almost dropped like if this climb was like 50 meters longer I will still be there in Harrogate somewhere <laughs> so you know he got dropped everyone was surprised and then the Italians Italians was like go 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 and then they went balls out shit and before did you think he, he would make it I'm not so concentrated about okay. my competitors in the race. So <laughs> I still believe that I could do a good result. And if I had to sprint against him, fair enough. Uh, of course he could have made it, but uh, he didn't. Yeah. Did you actually had another party? Because after the race, the party was pretty fast, like finished. You know, everyone was so tired. I mean, I was, it was for we all, most all of the guys was the hardest race. So right? fucked, man. And it was cold. And I also got super sick the day after and everything. But yeah, I had a good party at home with, with friends and so on. So we had to celebrate it. So of course there was, yeah. there was, there was a nice party definitely, but not on the day also because it was, you were there as well. Yeah. Bastian was also there. Uh, yeah. And, and the, the bar, man, it was, it was only that one bar open. Mm -hmm. It was that or the, or the Swift house and the Swift house, it was a bunch of freaks in there and the other bar, it was only cyclists, you know, and mm -hmm. I was, I think I was there for an hour and a half and I did like one hour, 15 minutes taking selfies with people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I was like, you know what guys, I'm done. Fuck it. This is not worth it. But Kenny still owns me a trip to LA, so all oh, Las Vegas. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, you have so, to pretend on it. So I'm just waiting for him to get his shit together and buy me some tickets. <laughs> yeah, usually he st stands for his word, you know. Yeah, I so think one day for sure you will go. One day we will go. That's for sure. I think he'll listen to that. <laughs> that's okay, <laughs> Ken. It's for you. <laughs> I want to go to Las Vegas, as you promised. <laughs> Andy, do you want to ask the Perry Roubaix question, or shall I switch <laughs> to another topic? Yeah, we have to talk about Roubaix at some point, but of course, that's probably your favorite race. Isn't it, it is definitely. It's uh, my dream race to win. Um, If that's gonna be my only win the rest of my career, I will be more than happy. Um, so, yeah, dream race ended wrong at least this year. Ended uh, in the middle of Arnberg, uh, but you know, shit happens. And every time you race, every time you race Roubaix, you learn something new and you learn learn a new way of of racing the race. So, that's really a place where you need a lot of experience and. I'm, I'm gaining more and more experience for that race and I'm getting closer and closer to, to be a part of the final. Uh, I truly believe I could have been with the last guys this year if 
if I'm I sure, did, yeah. if I didn't crash. But uh, if and if, you know, we never know. And uh, now it's just time to focus and and come back even stronger for next year, and then show them that Arnberg is not going to take me down one more time. All the growth. Yeah, I, w- I remember. I remember it. I was so disappointed. Usually I'm not that emotional when it comes to cycling, you know, when I'm not racing. Yeah. So I'm just like trying to analyze like what happened, but then it was just disappointment, you know? Yeah. Um, And I'm sure, I'm sure you would have been there in the final. Um, Actually, I never saw you that strong in a big classic. I was fucking flying that day. The legs was definitely there. Everything was working out. And then, uh, yeah, Lugro, he parked in the middle of Arnberg. (laughs) <laughs> that was super unlucky yeah that's yeah. right yeah shit happens uh, but you also have won it already once yeah in the a, juniors in the juniors so i have like the small cobblestone at home and i i really like to have the big one next to it but yeah i wanted as a, a second year junior and then you get like this super small cobblestone so that's actually pretty nice pocket stone <laughs> and i i was just mentioning it because Teo, he was third that year. Yeah, and then he won the fucking Gito. What is this kid doing? <laughs> On cobblestones and then win the uh, Grand Tour. He doesn't know. Like, uh, he doesn't know himself, uh, I guess. No, he has no idea. If you ask him, he wouldn't know. <laughs> Can you remember how the race went? You just went away at some point, I guess. And yeah, I, I can't remember. A strong rider in yeah, the juniors. Exactly. I can't remember when, when we went away. I just remember that on Carrefour, we were only the three of us, Tao, me, and, and Nathan van Hoydonk. And they, they, you know, they really tried to drop me before um, before the Velodrome because they knew I would be the best one in the sprint. And Tao, he was like actually super pissed, acting like... <laughs> acting like little princess he is you know trying to get me to pull and like he, he came with the baddest excuse ever like yeah mess come on you know you're the strongest one in the sprint so you have to pull as well i was like <laughs> i have to do absolutely nothing if we all know that i'm the strongest one in the sprint so then you guys have to get rid of me i don't have to help you doing that uh, so you can pull all you want my friend nice one um a strange strange result in the <laughs> for me when i saw that i didn't know it until today so i knew you, that you won but i didn't know he was you in didn't know he was second it's it's weird to no. look at now like when you know he won the Giro, and then he was also riding couples in junior quite well no i didn't know that hmm. okay off topic question you can choose tell me about Your biggest bonk or your biggest hangover? Oh, biggest hangover. Biggest hangover would be after my bachelor party, for sure. That's it a was good a one. Pretty long, it was a pretty long day, just drinking. And yeah, a bachelor party is always fun, you know. Everyone is happy and then you're out celebrating something good. Um. And when friends are together like this, we were 12 guys. And I think my dad, he calculated it. We had before dinner. So from 7.30 in the morning to dinner at 7, we had 280 beers. 12, 12 guys. <laughs> nice one. 
yeah, it was a pretty, pretty long day. And then, you know, after dinner, we went out, of course. And then I was just fucked. We had like, <laughs> I think I had 21 hours of, of partying that day. And I was <laughs> dead day after. <laughs> nice. Are, are there any stupid customs on bachelor parties in Denmark? Because in Germany, we have, you don't have to do it, but there are pretty stupid for customs. Sh for sure, there are some. Like the most common one is like a pink rabbit. Okay. Uh, I didn't actually, I didn't have any on uh, for my bachelor party. They, okay, they gave me like a short skirt <laughs> in the beginning, but mm. you know, then we had to do some, some motocross riding and so on. So then, yeah, I had to take it off and then it never came back on. Of course, there weren't any beers before motocross riding. <laughs> oh, no, 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 never. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Mm. <clears throat> Another thing I found out is um, you kind of own a bike shop. Not kind of. I own a bike yeah. shop, yeah. Okay. <laughs> And your father works there. Yeah. Good thing. Mm, you Was that also like something like a goal or a dream to own one? Or how did that come? No, it's a fucking pain in the ass, man. Yeah. I so. think not that. <laughs> you have nothing to sell and yeah. you have to deal with customers all the time and you know mm -hmm. bikes they're breaking and yeah don't don't buy a, don't get a bike shop. Uh now I when I was I think I was 14 15 I promised my dad oh I didn't promise him I told him if I one day uh, I'm making money enough Uh, to make him quit being a truck driver. My dad was truck driver for 25, uh, 35 years. If I was making money enough for him to quit, then I would give him the money and then he could start whatever he wanted. And then, uh, yeah, I own a bike shop now. <laughs> Good story, man. And he's happy? He's happy. He haven't been this happy for, for many, many years. So that was the main goal and that's, Of course, worth every every single cent you're using on on that. It's uh, it's worth to see the smile on on your parents or family. Yeah. So, yeah, even that it's a pain in the ass sometimes. It's also worth everything. And it's in the town where you're from. I don't know how to pronounce it. Toulouse. Toulouse. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like a few kilometers outside the the city sign. So it's yeah. it's still quite local. Cool. Okay, for me, there's only one last question left. Andy, do you still want to know anything? No, feel free to ask. Yeah, there's one thing about Denmark that's still in my mind because uh, there's one Danish guy I got to know and I was out with him in Cologne a while ago. And at some point when there was enough alcohol, he started to sing poor songs in German. You know poor? He he told me it was like in Germany we have Ballermann hits, like Mallorca hits, and it's super, yeah. super trash. And he told me like poor, the German band is something like Ballermann hits in Denmark. <laughs> is that true? Do you know any poor songs? Can you sing some? <laughs> I don't know any of those songs. Okay. But I know more like quite often when we are drinking in the off season, we listen to all like, let's say the beer König songs. Yeah, yeah. That's what we call them. So all the German, 
med Yorka, party songs, you know, these songs or skiing songs we are we are listening to. It sounds horrible. Yeah. <laughs> it is, it is, but it's also good rhythm in the songs, you know. It's it's quite it's quite fun. Because when you're sitting and drinking beer, you don't want any like crazy songs where you only hear the bass and shit like do do do. But all the German shit is actually quite funny. <laughs> Do you do you listen to music when you're on the bike, like tra in training? Never. I never have my earplugs in when I'm riding my bike. Um, I, I to be honest, I don't like it. I can't hear the cars and and how the traffic are on the roads nowadays. Mm -hmm. It's pretty nice to know what's what's coming from behind. So I can survive without music those between two and eight hours on the bike. Okay. Yeah, I. Pretty much enjoyed that today. It was crazy good. Thank you, man. Thank you. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Thanks, thanks, Mats, for your first ride in yeah. the boom wagon. <laughs> I hope it's going. It's going to be the last one for a while. For a while. Uh, I hope the next maybe, one maybe will be. I hope the next one will be with you guys again. Not not in yeah, the real one. That's what I wanted one. to say. <laughs> exactly. You know? That's what I wanted to say. Exactly. Um, Great. All right then yeah, yeah enjoy the rest of your training camp and uh thank you flight home have a good holidays and thanks for the talk boys yeah enjoy christmas and uh, new year 